0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and this is DCI number 85. In this episode, I'm talking to Danny Garfield of Poobah Games about The Weaponographist. The Weaponographist is a top-down 2D roguelike game in which you play as Doug McGrave, And uh, Doug is sadly cursed and can only hold on to a weapon for a few seconds, but uh, his name is McGrave, so that more than makes up for it. Anyway, if you want to find out more information about the game, you can head on over to darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation.com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we are on iTunes. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. Com. Now, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. tonight how are you doing
1: I'm doing great thanks for having me it's been a uh, been a weird day today just kind of wrapping up production
0: <laughs> yeah well I uh, the, the game comes out in uh, what uh, like two three weeks now it's pretty, pretty close. Yeah, just about three weeks yep very nice uh, so so how does that work before we uh, get into um, I, I don't know the actual interview mm-hmm. um, you know kind of wrapping up production getting everything certified to to go on to steam like how what does that process kind of look like? What, what are you doing right now?
1: Uh, well, we're a really small team. Like, for the coding and QC side, it's I'm the coder and there's one gent who does QC who sits, like, three feet to my left. <laughs> um, so it's it's pretty casual, though I'd say we're also, also both pretty obsessive about it, so... Um, Technically, we were kind of like QC locked and approved a couple weeks ago, but I'm really, really impatient and I hate waiting. (laughs) So every time we get QC approved, I kind of like rip something up and add a new feature or fine-tune or finesse something. And so uh, Dave, who does our QC, um, usually wants to punch me in the face because we probably could have been done a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to keep being a pain until the time comes where I can't.
0: Well it, it never really ends though because I mean you just have online updates, so I mean it's like you yeah. find something else later on, it's like, oh uh, it's fixed. Okay. That's like, exactly we were that. supposed I... to stop working on this game five years ago, Danny. We have other yep. games. Stop. I just gave
1: today and agreed that no <laughs> more of my changes will go in the game proper. They'll have to go in a post launch patch. <laughs> but I still want to build things. Fantastic,
0: fantastic. Well Danny, let's let's talk about a little bit about who you are and, and what you do at uh, is it pronounced Pooba? Yeah, Pooba. Puba, okay. Um, so, so what do you do? You mentioned that you, you code, but uh, with a I small do. team, uh, generally people wear
1: lots and lots of hats. Indeed. Um, so I guess, broadly speaking, I'm the head of the studio. Not that we're big enough for that to matter a ton. But um, uh, yeah, gameplay designer and the programmer. Um, and then uh, additionally on the team, we've got uh, Dave, who does our sound effects and QC and co-writes everything. Ooh. And then um, working with... Uh, friend of mine named chris does all of our music and um a handful of gents uh, local la uh, artists to do all of our character and design work and doing some really awesome work but uh that's all of us that's the team fantastic so you have two uh main people on the team and then are the
0: others contract work uh yeah exactly okay. that yep very
1: cool mm-hmm.
0: so when when did you guys actually start working on uh the weaponographist
1: uh, we started on the Weaponographist in just about uh, August of last year, so okay. it's been, what is that, eight months so far? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been fun. We actually, we put out a game prior and then kind of took maybe like a one-week break and immediately started just drawing up ideas for the next game. <laughs> <laughs> nice. but I bet that one-week break was great. It was really relaxing for, actually it wasn't, I hate, I hate, I can't sit still. Um, I probably didn't take the whole week when we agreed to take a full week and then come back and start brainstorming together but I'm sure I must have come with like pages of notes Mm. Mm. oh brainstorming when you
0: don't have to isn't really work because when you don't have to it's all just like just like bursting out of your head so
1: right and it all happens in the shower right absolutely yes
0: it's like writing on tiles is one of the most like not cathartic but just like best ways to think where you're just kind of like scribbling it's you're reenacting like scenes from the Beautiful Mind or something. Yeah, exactly. All the numbers floating uh, by. <laughs> it's like, oh, it finally makes sense. Five minutes later, what was I thinking? What well, yeah. I don't even know what like that there was. Yeah, was I had. Yeah, I, I remember having the idea. I just don't remember what the idea
1: was. That feels like every day. <laughs>
0: So what what was the uh game that you guys worked on before the weaponographist?
1: Uh before the weaponographist we worked on a game called Concursion. Um it's kind of a at a platformer at its heart, but it's uh it's like a five game genre mashup of a platformer and a space shooter and a Ninja Gaiden game and kind of a gauntlet Pac-Man and a few more. And the idea was you can literally jump from game to game on the fly and your controller remaps and your character shape shifts and the whole world's oh. art style morphs around you. Nice. Yeah, it's fun and it's it's hard, but it's uh I don't know.
0: I like it. I'm a That's, fan. That sounds pretty <laughs> cool. I just before we I just talk, start talking about the weaponographers, um, can you play the whole game uh, concursion in, in, like, one game mode?
1: No, or... it's very much all about hopping back and forth. So, okay. like, if you can imagine um, kind of a literal tear or a seam in, in the fabric of space, and on one side of it, you've got a platformer with, like, its classic bright blue skies and its puppy white clouds and things, mm-hmm. and on the far side, you've got maybe, like, uh, stars in the distance and planets in, like, a deep black outer space background. So, if you jump across that visible divide, say so, like, you hold the B button around, you hit the A button to jump and leap across it, and then you don't land from your jump, because now you're a spaceship, and the B button that used to shoot, brother that used to run, now shoots lasers. Okay. So, it's all about using, like, these kind of compound gymnastics to, like, jump, and then take a double jump, because now you're a ninja, and then engage your jet because that's what you are now, and then, you know, land in outer space. <laughs> Dear God! <laughs> <laughs> It's um, a lot of things at once.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, before we we started the interview, you mentioned that uh, you just recently, not too recently, a couple of years ago, got into kind of the the game uh, design world, making your own games. How, how did you make that transition? What kind of prompted that?
1: Um. Well, I guess before starting up our own little studio, um, both Dave and I were working at a company full time doing uh, post production work for movie studios. So like Blu-ray discs and apps and web games and stuff for like Disney and Universal and things like that and uh, it was really fun and I really liked it and really loved the team but um you you told me that you had a grown up job yeah well relatively come on (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can ever really be called a grown up That, that probably doesn't apply but uh yeah just decided um to take a big stupid leap and see what we could make on our own and uh Yeah, just started up our own little studio. Um, It just, the idea we had to kick off Concursion, uh, that first game I was talking about, uh, I was just really excited and passionate about it, and I knew that, like, no self-respecting company would build such an insane idea, and so it just (laughs) seemed like the time to branch off and do our own thing.
0: Very cool. Very cool. (laughs) Uh, Now, so, is coding one of kind of your natural strengths, or is that something that you did uh, at your previous job, or is that something you kind of picked up?
1: Coding is my passion. I love coding. That's you know the my that and the gameplay design are the favorite parts of what I do. Like I know nothing about promoting. I know nothing about (laughs) art whatsoever. But uh, I love coding. I I can spend my whole day doing that and really enjoy the day. Which is why the PR process now is maddening for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Now, now you also mentioned uh, a little bit ago that you guys only started production on. Uh, the weapon last fall, uh, which seems like crazy fast to to make a game to me. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to hear about games that have been in production for you know five years and, and stuff like that. And that's just that that seems really cool. How what was what was it like building a game kind of that quickly?
1: Um, I'm thinking about that. I've, I don't know if I've ever been asked that. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't find it stressful. It was fun. Like it was really nice to have like. A schedule and know what our plans were and know what our milestones were, and like I don't know, uh, work with like a bunch of big teams and been like the dude who makes the schedules and stuff like that. So I kind of thought I knew what would go into this. And, um, I mean, we we're really lucky that like everyone we worked with, all of our artists, our you know, Chris, our composer, were like you know, really a strong part of the team. Like you, you described him as, um, you know, freelance, I think, and, and you're absolutely right, but like we saw him all the time, talked on mm-hmm. Skype all day, like they really were a core part of the team, and so like. Aside from them being, like, really awesome, um, it was nice that they were all super reliable. And so um, definitely there was, like, stress points where we're like, all right, should we add this giant, ridiculous, crazy feature? And, of course, you know, we had to decide whether we thought that was smart. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There was no point that it really – that the timeline stressed me out or that I was afraid we wouldn't get something done at least. Okay. I wish I had, like, a big, terrifying story. And I was like, and this is why you should never. But, like, no, it was tons of fun. Like, we work from my house. We, like, I sing songs all day to irritate Dave. And, you know, it's jokes and YouTube videos all day. And so, like, it's a good mix of, like, stressing out really bad and building Mm -hmm. things all day and uh, taking constant breaks to to bug each other. (laughs) That's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, it's... It's
0: really kinda cool to see a game being made that fast because i was I was actually talking to a coworker of mine a couple of weeks ago, and i was i don't remember what game uh that's coming out uh oh it's the new Batman game uh okay. which i mean they they started development on that they probably started pre production on that like before Arkham City launched, so right. it's like four and a half years like five years in the making yeah. uh, which
1: which is a long time I'm afraid hey. of doing that as a team our size though because like <laughs> oh, we yeah. don't have like the infrastructure and financial backing stuff like that Like, I, I mean, which means also we don't get paid until we're done <laughs> and so like the idea of going five years with no income is terrifying <laughs> I mean the idea of doing it for nine months or for a year is terrifying because it's yeah. such a gamble Absolutely. like at the end of that you know you really hope for me, my biggest hope is just that somebody enjoys and plays our game, but beyond that, it's like, oh crap, we also need to eat <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know if yeah. I have the uh the fortitude to dive into a five year game at this
0: stage of what I'm sure. doing. sure and well, I mean I think there you know there there are good things about that because you get to be super detail oriented but at the same time when you're when you're making a game that uh, intensive and for that long, I mean, you kind of get your head buried and you're kind of missing like the five years of video game progress that we've right. that we've had. And so, like, how does that that new game fit into the uh, the current ecosystem?
1: Right. But- how adaptive can you be?
0: Exactly, uh, but my my coworker was saying something about like how crazy it was that they were able to do all of that detail in only five years, uh, because like think about how long games used to take. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, go back to SNES days, and like yeah. people are pumping out games like every six months, like right. <laughs> like from concept to like publishing. Like it's like this this whole like five year thing is is pretty new Isn't comparatively. New? Yeah,
1: or what? The Final Fantasy 15, eight years, <laughs> right. <laughs> or you know Duke Nukem Forever, um, right? Rest of 15, uh, his... fifteen, sixteen,
0: yeah, something like that. Oh yeah, God, <laughs> that was crazy. But um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's kind of nice just to to see like the almost the rebalancing of the the industry uh, with the the emergency of kind of indie culture and that people can kind of get back to that like quick uh, execution of ideas uh, right. instead of putting all your eggs in one basket in five years finding out that none of the eggs hatched.
1: <laughs> well yeah. I mean, I salute. I I'm in awe of people who can do that. I mean, you know, giant MMOs with small teams and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's super cool. I mean, what Axiom Verge that came out this week. Yeah. It's a 5-year project by one guy from what I understand. Like Yeah, and um super the uh, amazing
0: that- uh, Dust and Elysian Tail—it's a couple yeah. of years old, but that was made by one guy over the course of like six years or right. something ridiculous like that.
1: that. That's amazing. Like I can't help but be in awe of that. Mm-hmm. that that's cool. Like the scope of the project is amazing. But uh, I, I feel like
0: there, there's also something to to be said about the the more kind of like agile uh, work environment of like don't don't create big processes, but you know just kind of keep punching at things and fail fast fail often and right. then
1: succeed <laughs> right That that's my just a personal but my preference because probably in part that I can't focus on any one thing too, for too long without getting distracted <laughs> but yeah I, I prefer to you know dive into a project and you know be able to move on to something new sooner and later
0: so so what you're telling me is you're not going to be doing uh, quality control updates on the Weaponographist for the next five years. That's, well, that's I hope your... we don't have to do <laughs> I hope there's none, but
1: no, I do have a schedule um, of, like, stuff I want to add and build, just, again, just because I like building, and, like, especially in these three weeks leading into release where it's kind of unwise to keep adding, right. that doesn't mean I want to stop building, so I would say there's very likely to be kind of a long tail of new content in the Weaponographist. Just uh just hopefully not fix it. <laughs> so right. There'll probably be some. <laughs> well, um let, let's talk about the weaponographist.
0: What is the weaponographist? Or actually first let's what is a weaponographist?
1: Oh uh hmm. A weaponographist is a master of all arms who can use a, a sword or a spear or you know a pogo stick or a tuba equally effectively in Ooh. combat. Um all right. the, the word derivation that I made up for from nonsense is that uh, you know he's weaponographist so he draws weapons. Ha! And then I realized that would mean that he actually draws weapons, which I thought was really funny as like an afterthought. But uh, the game, nice. uh, the Weaponographist is. Um, it's kind of a top-down action hack and slash game. Uh you play as Doug McGrave, um kind of a world-renowned demon hunter, super famous, you know, great at his job, has all the best gear in the world, and he's also a completely unrepentant uh jerk butt. And so jerk butt. Yes. That's well, that's, that's That is my an intense dark, Dirty way of saying something potentially <laughs> more saltier. Um and so, yet, yeah, Doug you know, is very deservedly cursed for refusing to help a town that needs his aid but can't afford his fee. And so Doug gets cursed. Damn. And uh, all the weapons that you find throughout the dungeon, all the swords and spears and machine guns and things, um, constantly degrade and dissolve and fall apart in your hands. But on the bright side, all of the enemies you defeat tend to drop whatever weapon they're using. So it's all about really quickly adapting from weapon to weapon on the fly, making use of whatever you find for as long as you have it before it you know, explodes again and you have to find the next one. And then um, I guess the faster you go, the stronger you get. And so it's all about you know keeping that momentum, going really fast, adapting as quick as you can. Very cool. So uh, is there like a,
0: a set time limit to each weapon? Do you have like eight seconds with it, or how, how does that kind
1: of work? So there's actually a durability with each weapon, and you can hmm. see that on your screen. But like for a sword, it might be every time you slash an enemy, you lose a little bit of durability. Uh, for a machine gun, it might be every time you shoot a bullet, you lose durability. Or for, you know... <laughs> Cut off Wyvern's head. It might be the longer that you have it breathing fire, like a flamethrower, uh, the faster its durability drains.
0: Okay, so uh, it, it's use based, not not like time based. If yes. for whatever reason you're not shooting or hitting something with something sharp, um, you're you're not necessarily being penalized, except for the fact that you're going to die because you're not shooting
1: exactly. No, instead of the thing that we have, you, uh, the system we have that makes you kind of go fast is uh, this kind of curse combo system. It's uh, whenever you kill an enemy, you gain a little bit of combo on your combo meter. But your meter is always, always draining. Um, and it doesn't matter how much combo you have, as long as your combo meter is not empty. But as soon as your combo meter actually empties out um, all the experience points you've gained from killing enemies, which is making you stronger and making you do more damage, you'll actually start to bleed out that experience and start to get weaker, which makes the whole game get harder. Oh. And so... Um, yeah. Enemies are kind of harder from room to room to room. They get tougher and tougher, but you level alongside them. So um, okay. it's kind of a cool system whereby if you can full combo an entire depth of the dungeon, you can actually out level your enemies. You can go fast, you know, level up faster than them, and the whole game gets a little easier. Whereas if you slow down, if you get too defensive, if you start to back off too much, then um, the whole game gets harder around you. Okay. So it actively rewards
0: being aggressive as a for as opposed to defensive.
1: Definitely. Okay. So
0: it sounds like with the, the kind of the weapon degradation, the combo degradation, the, the experience degradation, that it's kind of the reverse in some ways of a lot of um a lot of games where, you know, you're kind of that stuff can be taken away from you. Um uh, right. so how how do you build up your combo meters? Is it strictly through kills or
1: it is, yeah. So um Enemies will just keep flooding into whatever room you're in, kind of with Reckless Abandon. Eventually, you'll kill enough, a door will open up, and you'll be able to progress. But uh, you keep killing
0: them if you want to?
1: Uh, eventually, they'll stop, and the room will dry up, which actually poses a really neat kind of strategic decision point. Because, let's say I've killed and killed and killed, and now there's all these cool weapons on the floor, and there's all this currency, which I can use uh, in town to buy permanent upgrades to my character. You know, run faster, yeah. hit harder, things like that. But eventually, the enemy stops spawning, and the door opens up to move on. But the combo meter never stops. So I'm left with, oh, there's, you know, treasure that's out of range. Do I grab it or do I run before my combo drains? And inevitably you have to decide whether you're going to leave behind some loot and, you know, save your combo or if you're going to, you know, play a little safer and Mm -hmm. uh, pick up whatever you find. And so, yeah, every time you die, basically, you wake up in town with the opportunity to buy all these upgrades, come back stronger the next time, fight even harder, get even deeper, uh, you know, hit a checkpoint, save your progress and uh, come back stronger the next time. Okay, so uh, kind
0: of looking at the description, um, it, it sounds kind of like a, a, a roguelike. So is, is there a permadeath, or how does, how does all that kind of work, the, the death and resurrection and going back how, progression?
1: Sure. So every time you die, you do wake back up in town, um, okay. and you have to start the dungeon from scratch. But throughout mm-hmm. the dungeon, there's scattered these obelisks that you can activate to save your progress. Um, so when you die, you don't necessarily have to start back at the start of the dungeon. Uh, you can use these obelisks to resume back from wherever you you know made a save point in the dungeon. The thing is, all these obelisks don't just save your progress, but they also save your health, and your level, and your combo level. And so it's possible to kind of barely scrap your way to an obelisk and find that you know that save point's maybe not that good. And so there's actually a strategic element to deciding whether you use the currency you find, which is actually demon goop dropped from the dispatched demons, <laughs> um, whether you use that. So demon-
0: Why do the townsfolk accept demon goop uh, for, uh, you know, for payments of of weapons and upgrades?
1: Sure. Well, I guess the biggest reason is, you know, Doug is cursed. He can't hold on to weapons, he can't hold on to his own strength, and he can't hold on to uh, his much-beloved money. But um, if these villagers refuse to help Doug at all, then they know that their village is never going to be saved and cleansed of demons. So it's kind of an uneasy alliance whereby... Alright, I guess we'll accept useless demon goop from you for proof that you're helping us out. But we're not going to let you off the hook unless you just leave this place. Um, it's not really clear what they do with the demon goop. I know that um, Chester, who runs the uh, chest farm and uh, trains Mimics, feeds them to his living chest, his Mimics. But everyone okay. else probably just dumps it out back. Gotcha. All
0: right, I mean, that, that sounds like a good use, uh, feeding it to Mimics. I mean, that's that kind but of makes sense. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, they're they're eating demons. Maybe you could even train them to not just, like, fight, you know, wary travelers that wanted some loot, but maybe also eat, eat demons that wander across.
1: Indeed. It. Well, so one of the ways that you can get a permanent power-up, um, the mimics are a good example. So you can't carry your power with you, but the more you train the mimics, the more they'll learn to carry new types of power-up runes with them into the dungeon for you. So, for example, okay. when you start out... Um, you might not have trained any mimics yet, but as you go on, you can tra- train them to bring you like double damage runes or extra combo runes or run faster and hit harder and all sorts of things. Very cool. I, I was just making a joke about training
0: mimics, no, they but will that's, come that's really there. That's, yeah. that's fantastic.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: Uh, so you mentioned the, the the obelisk. They they bring you back with the, the same state that you were in, but when you die and... If you want to reload in an obelisk, can you still buy the upgrades at town and then yeah. load there? So you're, you know, when you load there, you still have the, you know, whether it's the low health or the the crappy weapon or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the upgrades that you just bought, they're still with you.
1: Yes, definitely. Okay. All of so, for example, you can spend that demon goop to train with any weapon. You can train with your sword, so all the swords you ever find again do more damage, mm-hmm. or train with you know. The whip, so that it does more damage, and and those upgrades, that type of upgrade, or upgrades to your permanent health, or upgrades to your run speed and things, those all stick with you forever, and okay. so you're kind of getting permanent gains. Um, you know, your your tenth run, you're dramatically stronger than you were in your first run of the dungeon. Gotcha. Okay. So it, it's
0: not kind of it's not necessarily pure. Rogue like, where you die, you always start back at the beginning, and you, you know, you're only as good as you are on this playthrough.
1: Right. No, it's not. It's, it's more. Uh, somebody applied the term, and I liked it. Uh, Rogue light, um, okay. whereby it, it feels like you're starting over, but you're really not starting over. Cool. In fact, death. When I'm playing, I strategically often choose to die once I know I'm saving for a power up, and I've got just enough goop to afford it, and it's going to help me if I continue. Uh. Maybe I just got a checkpoint. Um, especially when we're speedrunning We've been finding that strategic use of death Is often a really good thing If you okay. choose never to die um, That's probably not the fastest road through a speedrun
0: Okay, interesting I, I've never heard of, of dying as a strategy Yeah uh, For speedruns, but yeah, eh? Learn something new every day
1: <laughs> <laughs> Death is a part of life
0: That That is true That is, that creepy. is very true uh, what about the the maps? As you're kind of going through this uh, dungeon, are are they randomly generated, or how how does that work?
1: Uh, they are, yeah. So every time you go into the dungeon, uh, the layout of the dungeon is going to be different. Uh, the composition of enemies is going to be different. Um, mm. All the obstacles in your way are going to be different. Um, originally, in an early phase of designing the game, we had kind of like a big sprawling, explorable dungeon with like dead ends and U turns and things. Um, and we actually found that like it. It wasn't conducive to, like, the emotion and the atmosphere of the gameplay we were trying to create. Mm -hmm. So what I really wanted is, you know, the combo system always pushes you forward and the weapon shattering always makes you adapt and, like, really, like, no breaks, constant stress, white-knuckle action. Um, We found, like, the more explorative we made it, the more, you know, you'd have to backtrack and walk through rooms that you'd already depleted enemies in. And that kind of begged the question of, well, then, do we let the combo pause for a while or do we fill it with, like, you know, enemies that are meant just to sustain you do we fill it with um you know respawn enemies which would make it feel like not worth going out of your way and in the end the game is really more of a kind of a hack and slash brawler than it is a dungeon exploration game
0: okay. and so
1: kind of that constant forward motion um with never backtracking actually made the whole game feel a lot tighter and faster
0: Okay, so do you ever have, like, diverging paths, or is it always kind of one way forward? No,
1: it's more like the door is your big, white, blinking finger from, like, Streets <laughs> Rage. <laughs> all right, fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now, as, as far as uh, kind of gaining new weapons, uh, you, you mentioned uh, a wyvern head, you mentioned <laughs> swords. What, what all kind of are we dealing with here?
1: Uh, there's about 30-odd different weapons in the game, um, all of which work totally differently, You know, ranging from a, a tuba that you can you know, breathe in and shoot like a giant piercing sound blast laser across the whole stage um, <laughs> to a yo-yo that you have to be right in front of your enemy, and you kind of hang it out there, lag it, and walk the dog to do constant like chainsaw damage on him. Nice. Star Tropics. Yes. Fantastic. Yep. <laughs> um... So, yeah, it was, it, that was actually a big part of the process is coming up with, like, a big old list of weapons that, like, none, no two of them felt too similar none of them felt stale. And they all, you know, challenge you to think about combat a little bit differently. Um, some of my favorites, actually, they change over time so often. But, like, the pogo stick is one that I really like where it, like, totally changes the way you move. You're faster, but, you, you know, you move in small hops across the stage now. So, and how do you slam use
0: – Okay, I was going to say, how do you use a pogo stick as a weapon? When you're in the air, you can, like, smash it to the floor in
1: one big kind of stomp, and it creates a big old shockwave. Ah. Destroys nice. any projectiles near you and kind of smashes enemies away from you. Okay. Um, what else? I don't know. The, the unicorn horn is one of my favorites. Uh, the unicorns kind of, like, bend over, and uh, their horns let out bazooka shells, almost like a <laughs> snake eating a mouse in reverse and shoot out these big old bazooka shells that explode into giant rainbow blasts. And, and that's one of my favorites because you can just shoot it with Reckless Abandon in all directions and just spray rainbows everywhere.
0: Oh. Uh, <laughs> unicorn bazookas.
1: Yeah, that's that's what they
0: do in nature. You've, you've ridden a unicorn, right? Apparently not the right ones. Oh, man. Man, that's, that's just I'm missing out. That is... Wow. If unicorns are known for anything... <laughs> I mean, I knew I knew they were for for rainbows, um, but not the not the exploding bazooka part before the right. rainbows. I didn't know that's what caused the rainbows. So that's where they that's, come from. That's yeah. just
1: nature. That's science. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, so when you're picking up uh, weapons, do you have to to choose the weapon, or do you, would you just walk over a weapon you you switch it out?
1: Um, there's a pick up button. So so the way the combat works is um. Uh, You can use a controller or a keyboard, but let's say you're on a keyboard. Uh, The WASD is going to be to run around, you know, up, Mm -hmm. down, left, right. And then the up, down, left, right arrows are to attack in each of the four directions. And that allows you to, you know, like run away to the left while attacking to the right at whatever's chasing you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got the uh, shift button to let you pick up any weapons. So that way you can, you know, run over all the weapons because there will be a ton of weapons scattered on the floor. And you can run over whatever you want without fear of accidentally picking them up. Um, and then pick up whatever you do want. Um, And then you can also pick up um, a weapon and a magic at the same time. Um, So, you know, you might have a, I don't know, a whip in one hand, and then in reserve be hanging on to, um, I don't know, a uh, Cerberus's collar, which is one of the magic spells, and kind of be ready to use that whenever you need it. Okay, so so how does the the magic work then? Uh, Um, They'll work a bit differently, but fundamentally it's the space bar. Space bar will always activate it.
0: Gotcha. Well, I, I meant more, you know, with, uh, with the weapons, you're constantly degrading with use. Uh, does magic do that as well? It does,
1: yeah. So it, magic tends to have a much shorter, um, you know, lifespan. Its durability mm-hmm. tends to be much shorter, but they tend to be really powerful. So, for example, like the Gorgon head. When you kill a Gorgon, you can take its head with you. Mm-hmm. And um, you can kind of hold it out in front of you, um, you know, like a Medusa's scream. Medusa's don't scream. She's not a Gorgon. She is a Gorgon. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And, like, it'll create this giant wide wedge beam that, you know, can fill the whole screen full of damage. Um, but you only get one, one shot of those. Ah. Um, the, the tuba was another example where, like, you can shoot this beam across the whole screen and you can move and, like, you know, cast it over whatever enemies are in reach. But you only get two blasts of it. Okay. So, so the tuba is actually a magic device. Yes. device. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: So, do you upgrade those similarly to upgrading your proficiency with weapons?
1: Yeah. So, whereas you can go to um, the the vendor, our, our blacksmith, uh, Girdle Builder, to, to upgrade your weapons, there's a second uh, vendor that will let you upgrade your magics. His name is Cumberbund. I don't know why. <laughs>
0: I, I saw the uh the first trailer that you guys put up where you had quotes from the townspeople <laughs> yeah. about playing the game and that was that was genuinely funny. And they I think wanted to be- uh, I think Cumberbatch, Cumberbund, or what what's what's his yep. name? Uh, I think it's <laughs> Cumberbund Rose Patch. <laughs> Cumberbund Rose Patch.
1: Which is certainly not inspired by the guy who you may have referenced. <laughs> no,
0: not at all, Good. right? No. Um yeah, that's uh, that. That was pretty good. Somebody mentioned that the game made them taller, so that's you know, <laughs> it's it's the internet. You got to believe those kind of quotes.
1: I think they're true.
0: I don't know what you're implying. I they they have to be true for the people in the game at least, if nothing else. Right. Um, and we we can just assume that they're they're true for the the rest of us as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so so you're kind of um, you were winding down on. On development uh, when, when is the game actually coming out
1: uh we have a demo coming out in geez just under two weeks on the twentieth um, and that's okay. going to be the first full two environments of the game um, with all the associated weapons and upgrades and enemies in there um, our first two bosses, and then the full game comes out on the twenty ninth okay' just the end of this month
0: that is that is really soon <laughs> that is really scary <laughs> uh, now you mentioned that the the demo has two um
1: environments in it
0: and Mm -hmm. i I assume every time you go through them they're they're randomly generated and everything just like the the full game
1: they are yeah Um, each of the environments will start to introduce new and more uh weapons and enemies okay um and you know has its own boss but uh yeah every time you play it like the way those enemies are arranged and ordered and you know the groups that might team up together are definitely gonna be different each time okay and
0: so how how big is the the kind of full game if the if the demo has two environments what how many environments are we looking at for
1: um, the full game is um, five depths of the dungeon each longer than the last, each with more enemies than the last, and okay. also um, contains a hardcore mode that I really like that actually kind of redesigns the way that the combo system works into like an even more aggressive and spastic mode um, and kind of the enemies are even a little bit harder so yeah Hardcore mode is really fun. Um, so,
0: is that unlocked when you when you get through one level of the dungeon? Now that level is available in hardcore.
1: Hardcore, or it's actually once you beat the game through the first time, you'll be able to pick okay. any of the depths that you've passed, beaten in hardcore mode, and play them you know at will whenever you want. So, what what is
0: hardcore mode?
1: So, uh, if in the main game, every time you kill an enemy, you gain combo, and your combo is always draining. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the combo works is the higher your level is. The faster your combo drains, and Ooh. so it gets harder okay. and harder and harder to keep your combo. Gotcha. In hardcore mode, there's there's a lot of changes, but there's two big changes. Um, the first change is that the combo system is kind of adaptive in its speed. The better you do, the faster it gets, and it can get like really hard to keep your combo. Like it's possible to full combo the whole har- a whole hardcore dungeon, but it's you know rock hard to do. Okay. Um, the other change that happens is that instead of the enemies giving you combo on kill they give you half as much of the combo meter as they usually would when you kill them, and the other half is um, stored in the goop that they drop all over the ground. So if you want to be able to get as much combo as you could in the main game, you have to not only kill an enemy, but scatter all over the place and pick up everything they dropped. And so it keeps you constantly scrambling all around the room. And especially when you move from room to room, Mm -hmm. kind of introduces that strategic choice just even more prominently, where it's like, oh, my combo's low and I really need combo, but if I pick up that group across the room, I'll gain combo, but am I going to gain more than I'll lose for running out of my way? Right. You start really having to think about like which enemy to attack first, how to path, what to grab on the way, stuff like that. Awesome. That's, that's very cool. It's fun and frantic and scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, uh, just a quick question. The, as your combo meter drain, say you, you've comboed up, to uh, level 36 or, or something like that. Sure. Um, is the, the meter that you see is, like, level 36, once it drains down that, does it have 35 more levels to go? Or once it drains down there, your combo's done?
1: So, once your combo meter empties out, you've lost um, your number of kills, like, in a row. The, the thing the combo meter is tracking that you can see that big number is the number of mm-hmm. kills you made in a row. Okay. And that's going to go back down to zero. Gotcha. But, but right below it, you can see your level. Um, I don't know if you're looking at video footage, but, like, you can see your level is, you know, it might be anything... But basically the, that big red combo meter acts as kind of a buffer to your white experience meter. And as long as you've got any combo, that's draining instead of your experience and your experience is safe. But if your combo meter ever drains to zero, yeah, you can lose whatever level you have. You can lose all your levels if you if you go too slow. Okay. And it's kind of this like positive feedback system too, whereby if I lose a level, all the enemies are a little bit harder and it gets kind of tougher to get my level back.
0: Mm-hmm. But kind
1: of conversely... In each room, the enemies give more experience than they did in the room before. So if if I can kill just a few enemies, I might be able to get my level back and keep going. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Constantly oh. stressful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm noticing a pattern here of just things being stressful and things being scary between the, the game and, and the game coming
1: out. This all process right, is you He's doing terrible. okay. am <laughs> doing all right. I, I think... Uh, I don't know maybe that's how I like it. I don't, I don't like things being too easy, right? If if I like being things too easy, I sh- I should go get a real grown-up job again.
0: <laughs> again, a grown-up job with air quotes cuz right. you're yeah. making DVD extras. So. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Danny, I don't think I have any more questions about the game itself, so we, we're going to jump into the uh, the end game here, cool. uh, where it is all about uh, you. There are no wrong answers, um, a- unless you have one that I don't like. So just you know, I can be really offensive. you you That's if you want to <laughs> be. That's that's fine. I don't know. That's that totally doesn't seem like you. a great idea. <laughs> um, so I mean, I'm not really sure how you could be offensive with most of these, uh, because the first question is, who is your favorite video game protagonist?
1: I gotta say Mega Man specifically Mega Man Mm. X I love those games I've played each of them so many times Um, like I know it's not known for being a story game but like I can you know recite the full story to you Um, I just I don't know Super Mario World is probably my favorite platformer of all time okay but all the Mega Man games just I really have a soft spot for love them
0: awesome now, now flipping that on its head, who's your favorite antagonist?
1: Ooh. Um, let me give some real thought to that, because, like, the ones okay. that jump to mind feel really easy. They just feel like, you know, first blush answers. Um, Kefka from Final Fantasy VI is okay. definitely up there. Um, who else? Like, saying Dr. Wily is too easy, but, um, like, Sephiroth was the first that jumps to mind, but that just feels too easy. I play a ton of, like, role-playing games. Right.
0: Yeah, and Sephiroth is probably the most common answer we've had. Yeah,
1: he's he's too animals. easy. I, I feel like I need to like nerd cred up and pick something really obscure. <laughs> <laughs> but but nothing jumps to mind. I'm on the spot. I'm so nervous.
0: You're. You're. <laughs> I I have had the advantage of uh you know of asking these questions for like 2 years now. So <laughs> these are the actually the only two questions of of the like 6 or 7 that we're going to do that I actually know the answer to. So Is
1: there a right answer?
0: No, there's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it's completely just just what you think. So you want to go with uh, Sephiroth, or you want to go with Kafka?
1: I'm gonna go with Kafka. Okay. I'm go... uh,
0: guy's a my, my my co-host Brian would be very proud. Yeah. Right um, Alright, so moving on from that what is a trend uh, that is happening in video games today that you really like and either want to see that, you know, it's not getting enough uh, kind of limelight or it's just, it's great, people know about it, and should keep going
1: Um, man that's a tough question too, I want to come up with a specific good answer um, I don't know, self-publishing like self-developed indie games is awesome, it's still very new to me, I know we're a few years into it But, like, the idea that, you know, you can work out of your house and, you know, be it a year later, a few years later, have a game that, like, people everywhere can actually get their hands on. is still crazy to me. The fact that, like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be on a shelf somewhere, but still tons of people can play it. Um, I guess beyond that, like, maybe a newer thing is just specifically the huge amount of community interaction that goes into the developing of a game lately, you know, mm-hmm. early access and like is so cool. The fact that like you can reach out and I'm I'm gonna say as a player, not as a dev, but like the fact that if I love a game early in development, I can reach out, chat with someone, and then maybe like have a meaningful impact on the game is like the coolest thing in the world still. Sure. Like yeah, I love it. If any if anybody once we uh, start on game three has any cool ideas for it, you know, <laughs> dig in and let's chat. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Well, and actually
0: just to to your note about the uh, self-publishing and stuff like that, and uh, just the availability of games with uh, them being digital, I didn't realize how used to buying things digitally I'd gotten until they announced the number of discs that will be required if you buy the physical version of Grand Theft Auto for PC. Oh no, how many? It's like
1: seven discs. Oh no. It's like, not I th- okay. I thought we were over that. That reminds me of a game, I'm dating myself, but Willy Beamish is like this, I think Sierra made it, it's like point-and-click adventure game, and I remember it coming with like a long box of floppy disks, and it took like three <laughs> days to install, and I, I honestly think it was 15 or 20 disks. I don't know, I kind of miss that. We should put out our games on floppy disks, and it doesn't matter if anyone can play them. There's just but a sexy factor to it.
0: I, I think somebody did that with Windows 8, where it was it was hundreds, I think it may have been like a thousand different discs that you had to have, which it's, it would have to be more than that because, I mean, it's, what, if it's on a DVD, so it's like nine gigs and we're talking a megabyte and a half.
1: We so, should do, like, uh, take, you know, a 30 gig game and, like, chunk it into RAR files and then burn those onto, like, Super Nintendo cartridges that you have to have, like, a USB cartridge reader, you load those on your machine you unrar them and to find out it's like a Dreamcast ROM. Uh,
0: yes, yes, that is game three. Go, yes, go that's why it. we're gonna do it, hurt it here. That's do the model it. for game. three. <laughs> <laughs> we expect
1: big things.
0: Hey, I'm sure you could Kickstarter that. Like play all of your favorites uh dreamcast games on nes or snes cartridges via usb on your
1: computer yeah you like know download it through irc no you you order it on irc and then we deliver the, the giant crate of super nintendo cartridges to your <laughs> house because you got to keep it convenient absolutely absolutely
0: um all right so uh again flipping the 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 question on its head what is a trope uh, that currently exists in in video games that you don't like and you want to see
1: die um in part i i don 't know hard for the sake of hard punishers. like sometimes I love them but sometimes I feel like there's a fine line between being really clever with trapping the player you know ab- abusing their expectations versus just like dropping spikes all over the place, which can be a little bit easy so um i don't know that that's a design complaint i've got um beyond that i don't know um can I broadly say toxicity and then hand, hand wave and not have to get political? <laughs> sure, that's that's fine. <laughs> can, can I be political and then back down immediately like a
0: coward? If you want to. Yeah. Th- these are your answers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alright, so uh, you, you are, are living the dream. You are making video games for a living. Is there another dream that one day... If you got the chance, you would like to, to give a shot.
1: I don't know if there is. Like, this is kind of the dream for me. Like, I don't know if I want, like, to be the giant best-known dev in the world. Like, I'd be pretty stoked forever if, you know, if we do well enough to make a game three and well enough on that to make a game four. Like, if we can just mm-hmm. keep rolling with what we're doing forever, that sounds pretty good. Like, I, I don't know if my dreams are so big that um that they're crushing. Like... I'd be really happy just to be able to do this forever. But Also, I'd want was. to do it in a hot air balloon.
0: Okay, there you go. That's that's the dream, yeah. making video games in a hot air balloon.
1: In a hot air, or ideally a life-size replica of the, the specific blimp that the Ninja Turtles had in like the original cartoon. Mm. If I could just fly around in the turtle blimp, dropping pizzas on people and making video games, I feel like that'd be a pretty good deal. Wait, wait, wait what if that was the
0: what, what if that was the delivery method for game four?
1: Oh man. It,
0: it's in a pizza box with pizza.
1: And then we carve the pepperoni into like each is a frame of action and he flip book the pizzas so that you can see the game. <laughs> like literally you have to thumb across each of the crusts and like that's why it has to get there in half an hour or the video game's free because if it gets soggy you're never going to be able to play a game like that. That's just absurd. Absolutely. <laughs> and we are hot tonight. This is yeah. great. This is good. Uh... <laughs> this is happening. <laughs>
0: I'm glad to hear. It It started on Dark Station. Everybody, yeah. everybody should know. Um, all right, so have you uh, – this is the second to last question, and uh, this is not the real question here, but have you ever seen <laughs> Escape from L.A.?
1: No, I haven't, actually. Okay. No. So in I the knew- movie
0: – Okay. Uh, in the movie, uh, Kurt Russell gets um, his hands on a satellite from the government. That uh, will launch an EMP and basically fry all of electronics and us back to the Dark Ages. Oh, no. All right, so you get a memo that that's happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What do you
1: play tonight? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, Whoo! I'd probably play some Super Meat Boy. Uh, mm. I love me some Super Meat Boy when I have yeah. some downtime. Um you know what I would do? I would do exactly what I did on my honeymoon when I got married. I brought my DS to Hawaii, sat in a hammock, and I played Castlevania on my DS for hours. Like That's what I wanted to do, and it still sounds just as good. Like I would play Castlevania at the beach. That's definitely nice. it. Okay. Good job. All
0: right. All right now, last question. Uh, at the end of our days, uh, when you come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and St. <laughs> Toad is there with the Deeds... Uh, of your life, what
1: do you want him to say to you? Uh, it'd be nice if he just didn't think I was a jerk. Um, he'd probably reprimand me for, like, too many poop jokes or something. Mm. But um, what do I want him to say? Wow, these are tough questions. These are, like, existential questions. Yeah, We try. Yeah. We try. Um... I don't know, probably not something to do with gaming. Probably just that, like, I enriched in some very small way the lives of, like, my friends and closest, you know, family and stuff. Is that is that corny? Is that really lame? No, that's good. Is that too hold handsy?
0: Should no, I no. I, I generally, so just just to let you know, generally the way these go, either either people answer with, your princess is in another castle, which honestly, I'm I'm kind of tired of because one, I just I've heard it a lot, and two, like honestly, is that what you want to hear? Like this life is over. You you're in the afterlife, and you find out that you got to the wrong castle. Like that's that's not what I want to hear. Here's why but, it's a
1: good thing because you got a whole other adventure in front of you. That means you're turning around is, and going back home.
0: There you go. That, that I have not thought of.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, can I change my answer? Yes, I want to be told get back to Earth. <laughs> Sorry, we're not open yet. Come back later. We're and then I'll do it five yet. more times.
0: <laughs> nice. Okay, that's that's good. Hey, I, I like that as well, but no, generally it's it's either that or it's it's a little more sentimental. So, uh right. it's, it's it's good. It's good. All right, well, that that's it. You passed. Congratulations.
1: Nice. I win. I got you the power win. up.
0: You win. Yep. You got the power up. I, I didn't even know there was a power up in this, so that hidden power up. That well, is I'm great. I'm like twice
1: as strong now. I can feel it. It's good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad.
0: Well, Danny, thank you so much for joining me tonight to talk about The Weaponographist. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about the game.
1: Sure. Uh, you can find The Weaponographist on Steam. Our page is live for wishlisting and whatnot. The demo is just a couple weeks out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at PubaDanny, P-U-U-B-A Danny. Or uh, you can follow our dev diaries at Puba.com and uh, say hello. All right,
0: well, fantastic, and wish you the best of luck in the coming weeks as you prepare to launch the game and try to not do any more QC. I know (laughs) it'll be difficult, but give it your best, and uh, good luck with your, your future projects. Thank you, sir.